When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. Thursday, roll it on. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Great to be with you, in fact. Thanks for joining us. How you doing out there? How's everybody doing? You're probably better than me. You didn't get defrauded out of money. Some oh, come on. fictitious it was a company. Damn it, man. You know, it, you know what it did? It, it, it taught me a lesson. You can't be so willy-nilly on checking your balance. You got to check some things out a little bit. Look at your statements. I don't always look at my statements. <laughs> How irresponsible am I? That's crazy. You know, the you, statement comes and you're like, ah, oh, the statement's here. You could say banks and credit institutions are predatory in some ways, and I'd mm. agree with you. I'd mm. agree with you. Mm. But if they said, hey, you know, you should have been checking your statements here rather than, oh, we'll refund you the whole total, it'd be kind of fair. And they, they didn't don't. say that, though. And they don't, though. No, they don't uh, say that. Yeah. They know the deal. Well, it's the era of cybercrime, buddy. Cybercrime. It's what's going on in the world. Cybercrime everywhere. It used to be the uh, at the gas pump, you know? Oh, yeah, you don't use your card. They'd rip your card or information. Hide, your, hide yeah. your pin. I never did. I was like, I would be like, I'm not hiding my pin. If they're stealing my stuff, they're stealing my stuff. It is hiding in my pin nonsense. But, uh, yeah, I know. You know, you know what it is. Use the debit card only. Yeah. <laughs> No, you buy something online, that's your ass. You kind of know. It's out there. Somebody's got it. Second you do it. Somebody's probably watching. Like, oh, buying some socks, are you, Mr. Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd love doing. to have a sock deal, wouldn't you? A like sock pushing deal? socks? Sure. That would be a really fun thing to endorse. I'd rather have Check a shoe out, deal. Like, every day. I'd prefer the shoe deal over the sock deal, but sure. Socks are fun. They are fun, but they're socks. They're not shoes, nor shirts, or hats. 
They're down low on the totem pole of things I want to endorse if I have my choice. I just want to hear on this show, you go, hey, everybody, get Check you some these socks. these socks out. The quality socks, everybody. We should have JCS socks. We J- could. JC socks. We could. So in this mutual pool that we're in that involves chips. Yeah. You know, I doubled down on the Thursday night game and won it. Oh, nice. And we had to bet either the Thursday or Friday game in order to win uh, if yeah, you it wanted to. It was a choice. Yeah, yeah. And I bet it, and I doubled down and won. But then if you won, you had to to bet the next game. You were required then to bet the Saturday. I went all in on LSU. Oh, you're out? <laughs> I'm gone. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm out of there. I'm out of there. James, oh, why? I lost all my chips on that LSU secondary. I bet on LSU too, but well, it was just you, 15 chips. I bet them all. Every chip I had. Yeah, you know, it's gambling. But uh, that's all right. I lost my chips in that pool that we're in. LSU, you can go to hell. Brian Kelly this week said, and he kind of pulled a, a Rick Patino. It was fantastic. No, he did not. Oh, no, in a good way. He It, it made me laugh. A reporter said, asking him about members of the secondary, you know, the group that gave up over 720 yards. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Say it out loud. If they'd played five more minutes, there might have been 1,000 yards gained by Ole Miss. But anyhow, a reporter asked him about the secondary, and he goes, uh, they asked why they were struggling so much. And he said, well, uh, we've had an injury. Uh, We're having to play a freshman. Uh, one, of, one of the guys tonight had a start, his first start uh, on the road ever, and uh, I can keep going. Johnny's got explosive diarrhea. Uh, he's like, but I can, uh, this made me laugh. He goes, I can keep going, uh, but, uh, you know, we don't have anybody else. And he's looking at the guy. We don't have anybody else. We have to play the kids that are out there right now. And then he's like, so-and-so's not walking through that door. And I was like, oh, he's going Patino. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, everybody. Kevin McHale, Dennis Johnson's not walking through that door. Same thing. He's like, he's named every great, you know. Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson and Honey Badger aren't walking through that door. We got to play the kids we got. Oh, man. And it made me laugh because I thought, man, that's, you know, actually, he's not being angry, but it's, that's a toughie. Like, that's pretty – well. he's telling you the kid sucks. That reminds me. So, I, I leave the station one day, uh, two months ago, and I'm at the traffic light at the bottom of the hill, and I called you, and I said, man, you got to watch this video. you got to watch this video about LSU that I just saw. And it was about the secondary and camp. And you're like, okay. I'm like, I'm telling you, <laughs> you really need to because it's that it's our guy over there. Hmm. He goes, I charted every play from practice yeah. today. And he went through the whole thing about receivers they don't have, versus defensive yeah, backs. Yeah. And it was 17 of 19 that the receivers won. I go, oh, my God. I know uh, that they've got good receivers, but, buddy, we we're in business. Yeah, you and I felt that way very strongly, especially after hearing that. It turned out to be true. Not just for I us, but also – I believe he did chart every yeah, one of those plays. He did. Yeah. Here's the problem. It just belittles Florida State's win. It really does. And now you sit back and how many more teams are they going to lose to? Anybody that has a quarterback that can throw it around a little bit is a candidate to beat LSU. That's correct. But doesn't it buoy your argument about Florida State's defense? Yes, it does. Because I think their de- their offense is very, very good. And in the second half of that football game, Florida State held, held LSU to seven points. And really, it was a garbage time seven points against our third string. They didn't even earn that. So there is that. I agree with you. That game oddly – Makes me more concerned 
and I've expressed this much to the dismay of many about our offense. I mean, I'm not, you don't get a lot of credit for that anymore. So what? You torch that sorry ass secondary. Great. Everybody does. Arkansas lit their ass up before Ole Miss did too. Yes, I think that you still get credit for it. Not as much, but you get credit for it because it's a first game. There's fact finding going on, and you just put a whole bunch of stuff on tape that the other teams can now exploit. No, you get credit for their success to some degree, but also they're just exploiting the things that you were able to showcase, which means that, you know, look, they have real problems with personnel in the secondary. So, I mean, look, I... You don't get in trouble for beating LSU. It just, in, instead of being a feather in your cap, it becomes, in retrospect, something you should have done. And that stinks as a descriptor for that game. It shouldn't. But that's, you play the whole season. Like, look, for as bad as that game now, well, I shouldn't say as bad. That's not the right you see, word. See, that's the tone I'm okay, hearing. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as that win has been belittled by what we've subsequently seen from that LSU defense. I will tell you the opposite is going to be true of the Clemson win. The Clemson win is going to look more and more and more impressive with every game that goes by because Clemson's defense is really effing good. And Clemson is going to go on to, I think, go 9-3 and three on the season. They'll have a fluke loss to Duke in which they fumbled it 16 times inside the five. And they're going to have an overtime loss to Florida State who's going to finish with at least 11 wins. So Clemson's going to look like a team that really was really good and this close from being a playoff team. And so people will look back and say, well, you can say Florida State should have lost, but they didn't. They won on the road. They made the plays to win the game when they had to. The blitz, that's called. That's a forced fumble. He didn't just drop it willy-nilly. Like uh, our boy Wilson for the Jets just inexplicably dropping a snap no, with and, nobody around him. And we were swinging for the downs repeatedly yes, with the blitzes. right. And we yeah. were swinging for the downs on the jump balls. So that was an action taken, and it paid off in the end. And you made stops to force a field goal instead of giving up a touchdown. It's not our fault they brought some slappy in that hadn't kicked that was living in an apartment in New York, and all of a sudden he's out here trying to kick. Yeah, nor is it our fault they call a trick play on second and de- second and 11 when they're moving the ball. Yeah, just dumb. What are just you dumb. doing? And it's not our fault that they didn't remind their quarterback not to audible to the throw on the RPO and turn and hand the ball off to one of the best running backs in the country. But the point is that win's going to look better and better and better for Florida State. The LSU win's going to look a little less than, unfortunately. But let's get back to us, which is – Go stomp Virginia Tech Saturday, and I think they're going to. And then let's get humming with this offense, because if that happens, Florida State's going to be in a prime position. I think we'll bet that it's likely going to be Texas and us and Michigan, and then you guys have at it for the other team, because uh, I think Michigan's going to beat Ohio State. So, I mean, this will be – it's a fun debate, but I think we'll be one of those teams without question that gets talked about in the right frame. So you just got done talking about how the offense looks more disappointing in retrospect because of LSU's poor defense. And but how, it, and you just don't defense, get as much credit. You just yeah. don't get as much credit, yeah. And how the defense actually looks much better against LSU, but they're Jekyll and Hyde. I still think that there's less to learn about the Florida State offense from a production standpoint. Like, if you see a result and there's a lot of points, it probably should happen against Virginia Tech. What I'm fascinated by is is what they choose to do and what they choose to define as as their core and their base plays this weekend. But I think the bigger test, the bigger test from the opponent, is for Florida State's defense against what Virginia Tech does. They've found a bit of a rhythm here. Mm-hmm. They've got a system that requires motion, misdirection, 
a strong quarterback who can run you over if you're not squared up and ready to hit him. They got a guy. Also, it requires you to get downhill and make decisions. So a lot of these elements that we've been inconsistent with, we've been good at times, don't get me wrong. Like, I feel kind of bad. I put the article out there. It's third lang on warchant.com right now. It talks about some of those issues. All I'm doing is I'm breaking down the things that we don't do right. There's a lot that we do right, especially when we play aggressive. But of those issues that we have with communication and motion and not staying at home or holding the edge or picking a bad running lane or guessing, this is an offense that can test us in just about every single one of those areas. Now, they shouldn't beat you in all of those areas consistently down the field, but you could give up 24 and look poor at handling these things, or you could give up 21 or 17 points, and, and you'd say, all right, we are where we're supposed to be. Clearly, the message is resonating. That's the side of the ball that I am locked in on this week is just to see how we handle those responsibilities, and are we playing smarter? I think we're going to play smarter. I think we're going to play more aggressive. I think we're going to get downhill. I think we're going to put them in second and third and long frequently. And I think Florida State's got a real opportunity to kind of uh, shed themselves of the reputation of uh, not being able uh, to get off to a good start against a mobile quarterback in particular. I think they will. I think they will this weekend. Now, if they don't, we have obviously something to talk about. It would be a continuation a continuation of a conversation we've already had time and again, and it would become loathsome. Well, the frustrating thing is before the Clemson game, this is not Monday morning quarterbacking, before the Clemson game, we were saying, did you learn your lesson from Boston College that we need to play more aggressive, play more press, get downhill? And they didn't. They no, played back. They stayed back. So we're asking the question again. It's like, again, I ask you, as we play Virginia Tech, are we mush rushing, playing too high and containing, or are we getting downhill more often? And I would hope, now that you have two pieces of evidence, not just the Boston College game, but also the start against Clemson, that that's exactly what we do. I would hope so too, Tom. I'm going to bet on it, in fact. I'm going to bet that they do do that. Uh, the news of the day, and a lot of people have chimed in late because you didn't hear the first hour, but obviously we led the show with this because it does perhaps directly affect Florida State. Or maybe not. You never know with the NCAA. They're very hard to predict. Save for the fact that they suffered uh, a lot of public relations backlash after not allowing Tez Walker of North Carolina to be eligible. The thought at that time certainly uh, was similar to that, of the situation with Daryl Jackson. You heard a lot of public outcry within the state amongst politicians and others, saying that it's unfair what they've done to Daryl Jackson as well and that maybe the NCAA needs to reconsider their policy. And then it kind of went away. After the night game that North Carolina played in which they, meaning they, meaning the NCAA, was admonished both by the announcers and by Mac Brown prior to that game, etc., it kind of just drifted off. And you didn't hear much about it again until today. And the NCAA granted Tez Walker his eligibility. He is now eligible to play. Now, they didn't do so without being petty. They didn't do so without admonishing North Carolina and alleging that North Carolina was the guilty party here, having not provided information to the NCAA that would have made the school's efforts to get Tez Walker eligible uh, more fruitful. In fact, they had this to say, sounding petty as always. It is unfortunate that North Carolina failed to provide this important information previously. While we must be careful not to compromise a student-athlete's right to privacy when it comes to sensitive issues, we want to assure the Division I membership and everyone watching how the new transfer rules are applied that this meets the new transfer waiver standard. UNC's behavior and decision to wage a public relations campaign is inappropriate and outside the bounds of the process North Carolina's own staff supported. Had... The UNC staff not behaved in this fashion. 
and submitted this information weeks ago, this entire unfortunate episode could have been avoided. Now, that's nonsense. Uh, Something to point out here, Tom, that if you look at this statement yet again, I want to focus on one part of this, where they're basically admitting to you that they made this kid suffer because they did not appreciate the way North Carolina went on a quote-unquote public relations campaign. You ready? The decision to wage a public relations campaign is inappropriate and outside the bounds of process UNC's own staff supported. Had North Carolina not behaved in this fashion, you stop there. Wow. That's on the record? That's the same thing I read before, but I only now noticed that they are incorporating this as one of, along with the absent information reasons, that they did not give this kid his eligibility. They're saying it in print. Had North Carolina staff not behaved in this fashion and submitted this information weeks ago. So they're telling you they penalized that kid because they were mad at North Carolina's public relations campaign, in addition to not having the information allegedly that they needed to uh, give that kid his eligibility. That is some petty nonsense and, well... And North Carolina did respond to it, which I was interested to see if they would. But Bubba Cunningham released a statement, which is uh, wiping up on the screen now. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Let's uh, see what Bubba Cunningham had to say. We are happy, and we can certainly enlarge that for these old eyes. Uh, We are happy. Oh, you had it. It won't do it. Ah. All right, I'll do my best. We are happy that Tess Walker is now eligible to play and enjoy doing what he loves to do. However, stop moving around. We're good. The justification provided by the NCAA today is not accurate. The university submitted all necessary information and documentation as it was made available to us at the time, and we still believe Tez met all standards for the waiver in early August. It is not clear why the NCAA delayed making the correct decision then, but we are pleased to get to the appropriate resolution now. Good. I'm glad he did. And it's hard for me to back North Carolina with all the uh, nonsense that they've been the benefactor of over the years. But come on, man. I think it's still a work. This is all a charade. Oh, oh, planned by the NCAA and North Carolina hand in hand. We're going to say this and look petty. You retort. We'll have it go back and forth. And that way nobody will focus on the fact that we F this thing up from the get go. I think it is because they have a shield, which is new stuff has come to light. I stick to that. Like that's the, so if they are pressed by Florida state or by any other institution about, well, wait a minute, goose gander here. Why why are we good now with his eligibility and not ours when we have similar situations? Well, uh, look, there there was new information that they submitted. Some new things. What is the new information? Well, we're not going to disclose that privacy concerns. The reprimand is ridiculous, first of all, and it is beneath, you would think, an organization the size of the NCAA. But of course, I'm alive. I've been on this earth for some time, and we've watched the NCAA operate in the past in this manner. But if you really thought about what it's tasked to do and the size of that uh, group, uh, you would you would think that this would be well beneath them, that this is something, you know, okay, so I'll give you an, an example. This will go over well. Uh, ESPN is the whipping post for everybody who gets mad at sports media for anything. ESPN takes a whooping from every fan base in the country. They think ESPN's commentators are out to get them. They think that their coverage is slanted. They think that their hosts are out to get them over and over and over again. This is what you hear, right? 
if you think about it just objectively from this standpoint, whether you believe that or not believe that, just listen to my larger point. You'll notice that most of the time, NCAA goes out of their way to ignore those accusations completely because their thought, rightfully, is we're bigger than that. I don't really need to respond to Larry in Phoenix is concerns that one of our announcers doesn't like the Suns. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. It's beneath us, okay? Most corporations and larger entities of that magnitude dealing with the kinds of problems that they deal with on a day-to-day basis don't have time to worry about us peons' thoughts on their presentation of a game, a singular game, when they're going to do thousands, okay? The NCAA, by right, should be better than this. They're ruling on hundreds and hundreds of things a week. They don't have time to worry about the way something's presented for a singular entity, player, or university. They ought not if they're operating properly. But they reveal themselves to be petty and wildly inconsistent and ineffective. Why, after all this time, after having had their legs cut out from under them, a lot of their power absolutely usurped, why do they continue to do that kind of dumbassery around every turn? It is, it's bizarre. And again, speaks to the lack of a legitimate leader governing collegiate sports and or, if you'd like, college football. A czar. Somebody who would be better than that. You know what the first step is to getting there? <laughs> Finding one? Finding the czar? Uh, letting Daryl Jackson play. That's the first step. <laughs> I will start to believe just a little bit more in the NCAA if they do the right thing and let 14 play. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply it's jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio Warchin tv Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. 
got to solve for the future with our friends at ISF. Love doing this each and every week. ISF. Great partners and uh, absolutely awesome at what they do. You know this because even though they're right here in Tallahassee, Florida, they serve the nation. Over 80 unique clients in their history, over 1,500 projects. And they get it. Uh, They know there are unique challenges that are certainly inherent to government operations. And um, they've been solving the future for those situations for over four decades serving state, government, and business clients alike across the country, experts in the government processes that uh, can be, you know, clunky. They've worked within government agencies and across the country. They've had unmatched expertise in developing strategies within technology, and technological solutions are a big deal. So you want to run more efficiently? You want to get things done? You want people to get paid when they're supposed to get paid and all that other stuff? ISF. Tom, what are we solving? What, 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 what are you thinking about here for solving the future today? Well, everybody's thinking about the offense and how it's going to be fixed. And I know the running game's the center of a lot of that, You know, whether it's Jordan's legs or are we going to be able to run counter or do we need to do something a little <laughs> different? But I want to look at the passing game. How about who is from this point forward, not any stats from before today, Florida State's third leading wide receiver, specific to wide receiver, between now and Charlotte, because I'm saying we're going to Charlotte. But who's okay. going to be that guy? All right, all right. So you're not saying who's been that guy up to now. You're right. saying so, who's going to be that guy moving forward. Like the six catches combined for Destin and Winston, out the door. You know, Darion's catch against uh, Southern Miss, the out the door. The one catch, the one, one catch. catch. Yeah. yeah. Well, oddly, I still think it's it's probably Jaheim Bell. No, no, wide receiver. Oh, Gotta okay, be. can't, can't be a tight end. That's yeah. where it's fun. Ooh. I like how quickly he went to the no-no. <laughs> no, sir. There are no copping outs no, here. No Lawrence not... Toafili, no Jaheim Bell, no Morlock. Yeah, no. I think that's a that's that's fun. That makes it more interesting. You're right. Um, who would I take? Who would I take? Um, well, you know. I guess I'll come back to, so the third leading receiver, this gets tough. Um, There's a lot of prognostication here because I don't know that they know. I'd like them to know this week. I'd like them to get this start to get this figured out, please. It has been getting frustrating. I would like to see this. Um, All right. At the end of the day, we all know Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman are going to be one, two in some particular order. I think Jaheim Bell will be three, but Tom will not give me him. He will not give me Lawrence Toafili. He will not give me Trey Benson. He will not give me Kyle Warlock. He will not give me any of the guys. So I guess we're going to say at this point it is going to be uh, Destin Hill. Mm. He's played in four games. Florida State's played four games. The other guys have not. For example, if you were going to say Deuce Spannon, you wouldn't. He's not played in every game. If you are going to say Darion Williamson, it'd be a hard push to try to get Darion Williamson to be your third leading receiver in terms of targets. It, it just doesn't seem likely, right? And then from there, you start going down the list of possibilities. Um, you know, Hakeem Williams has, what, one catch for nine yards in four games? Yeah. I mean, he's coming along, but he plays outside. You know, this is the other thing. 
you got to look towards the middle of the field. He's averaging two yards a, a game in receptions. <laughs> well, I'm saying that climbing the depth chart for Hakeem to be a slot guy doesn't make a lick of sense. No. You know? I'll tell you right now, and I really wish the kid could get it together. I, I, I don't know exactly what the problem is. I don't, I don't care to speculate because I'll get in trouble with Mike on this. But they have an extremely talented slot receiver whose only catch on the year led to a touchdown. And his name is Vendravius Jacobs. And I feel like he could have a field day if he could find his way onto the football field. Now, these are just observations anybody can make. You don't have to be at practice. You can look out on the football field and note that my man has played in one game. He has one reception, and it's a touchdown. He's a guy that we talked about all throughout the camp, all throughout spring, a guy who was electrifying to watch, and a guy who all of us on staff said we thought would have an impact on this season. He's had zero impact on this season when you consider that the one catch and touchdown was against Southern Miss, and I think four or five people came out of the stands to score against Southern Miss. So he's really been a persona non grata. He's not been anywhere to be found. And yet I think he has the kind of talent that could easily see him be the third leading receiver on this team moving forward if he could find the field. I would never bet that because I have no evidence that he's going to be on the field anytime soon. But I'm telling you from a talent standpoint, if he could find a way onto the field, he would be that guy. He's a playmaker. He's going to make people miss. He runs smooth routes. He's got great hands. There's no reason that he can't get out there if he finds a way to get it. Get it right. Keep it between the lines. Keep it together. I've got a name that's going to inspire you. You're going to say Winston Wright. Nope. You're going to say Deuce Span. I am not. You're going to say, well, damn, who the hell can you say? You can't say a tight end. Nope. I could say Ja'Kai Douglas is <sighs> what I can say. I think he's going to be the guy. And a couple of reasons. Number one, previous iterations of his career, we had to run bubbles and he had to have guys blocking and springing and doing all kinds of stuff for a player like that. Now he lines up in the slot with two titans on the edges in terms of the attention that you have to pay to Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. That's a good pick on your part. I it's, don't disagree with you. It's the fit for the offense. I it's always think of him as a are. running back for some reason, probably because he's 5'9", 170. But well, but you could do a lot of pop pass stuff with him too. There's, yeah, there's variety yeah. that you can bring to the offense, and my, my theory on this is if it was going to be destined, it would have been by now. Well, you would have seen the rapport get built up. Well, no, I'm not talking about his careers. I'm just saying the rapport with Jordan. Jordan trusts Ja'Kai implicitly. He does. He loves the hell out of Ja'Kai. And he talked about him in Charlotte. He talked. I mean, he talks about that dude incessantly. And he's gone to him in some big moments. So now if he's going to be in very, very favorable situations and you've got the trust factor with Jordan, we, I mean, he's been pre-snapping a lot and predetermining where he's going with the football. I don't know that he trusts Destin or Winston as much as he's going to trust Ja'Kai Douglas. There was an opportunity for those guys to build up the rapport. I'm not even saying that Ja'Kai Douglas is the best possible solution. I'm just saying it's the most likely because the quarterback likes him, and that matters. It's a good bet on your part. It shouldn't be the answer, but I think you may be right. Um, they, To me, you've got to get Destin Hill involved. You've got to find a way to take a player who's that dynamic, built like that, with that kind of explosiveness, size, and speed. There's no excuse, and it's really frustrating as we sit here today that it hasn't happened. Um but I think you might be right because he has always really fancied Ja'Kai Douglas, and he does trust him. There's no doubt about that. I'm happy for Ja'Kai. I got no problem for Ja'Kai. He's a tiny target, 
It's not ideal, but he is explosive with the football in his hand. And he played at a high school called Terra Bone, which makes me laugh. I always remembered that from the from the press release. I got nothing on that. <laughs> but what I will say is, like, I'm sure they pronounce it differently. It's it's in Louisiana, right? Isn't he from Louisiana? Terra Bone? Uh, yeah, they may be Terra Bone. Maybe. Oh, he's from over there around here, but nay. I just don't like. I think Kentron is your third best receiver if and when he's back up to full yeah, speed. Well, you don't know a word from him either. But does that fit naturally with those other two guys on the field? I don't. I don't think it does. So if you're just thinking about variety, the spice of the offense, Jakai fits nicely with what you got. The young man from Terrebonne out here again. Let's hope that uh, it happens. Maybe they say Terrebonne, which would be fine too. And maybe Destin Hill has a great month, and we forget about the fact that he was gone again for the entirety of September. ISF, helping state government solve the future through strategy, process, and technology. You need those right processes defined, then you need the execution and the solutions, and they collaborate with you. So make sure that if you're in state government or local agencies serving millions of citizens across this great state or the country, you Go and contact my friends at ISF. To learn more, ISF.com. It's Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. this band at uh, Club Down Under over in Florida State. I'm old enough now that when certain bands go on to be huge and I'm like, yeah, I saw that band in Florida State Club Down Under. That must have been 1993. And then kids go, what in the hell? (laughs) But it's true. It's true. Uh, The National, long before they were ever big, played uh, over at Florida State eons ago, ages ago, and uh, nobody knew who they were, and it was like a sparse crowd. And then, yeah, I caught myself doing that at Hotel Indigo not too long ago, talking to a fan who was there for the pregame show, and uh, it was a father and a son. And I was trying to recall which year we did something against Miami. I was like, oh six, oh eight, and I saw the kid, the glossed over look in his eyes, and I went, yeah, oh yeah, that's the look I had when people would talk about the seventies. Yeah. Well, you give me that look when I talk about the 70s. I still do. <laughs> yeah. The only time, because you're an old soul and you see the world like, similarly. Who was their title? Was it Richie Rogers? Yeah, on the set? I'm like, it's Richie Rogers. Yeah, I did the thing with you the one time I was naming, I named somebody from the, I think it was the 78 or 79 Bucks, or maybe it was Cowboys or Steelers or somebody from that time. And you were like, just giving me that look like, what the hell? And I was like, oh, he's a great player. Yeah, I remember him well. Well, Russ Francis just died, tied in. I remember him as with San Francisco. Uh, he died in a plane crash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I remember Russ Francis's whole career. And and when was that career? Out of curiosity, late eighties. Okay. Seventies and eighties. Yeah, he just died tragically. Uh, something was wrong with the plane that he was in. He oh. he was another guy. It was a small plane. They were going out on a photography thing, and the engine stopped. And here's what sucks, by the way, and I'm not making light of this. That sucks. That's a terrible way to go. By all rights, Russ had a great life. He was 70 years old. But um, 
they knew there was a problem because it was a tandem thing where another flight was going with them and they radioed ahead and said they were having problems with the engine. We're turning around. Well, they turned around. The engine just stopped working, man. Now, oh, see, that's the problem. No. Car breaks down. The engine stops working. You pull the hell over to the side of the road. Make a phone call. Up in the air, the plane stops working. We got some issues. And there was another guy in the plane. Now, imagine that moment. What well, You know, you're going to look to the pilot. So if you're the guest... You're the mm. guy that's with Russ. Russ has assured you that this is safe. It's all good. All of a sudden, we don't hear an engine. Russ, is this normal? No, we're going to turn the plane around. Uh, are you concerned? Russ, no, we're going to be all right. Man, uh, can you imagine that moment? That ain't good. Oh, Small planes, man. Gives me the willies. No, thank you. Remember Jack O'Brien? Oh, they're so safe. <laughs> you guys wouldn't believe it. It's, it's, you know, the, <laughs> I wonder if that show is still going. Oh, ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, that used to make me laugh. I, I remember our t-shirt commercial that he voiced. You're flying blind boys. <laughs> Start the new year off with a bang. <laughs> with, with the bang. For t-shirts. <laughs> Guy was the best. He was awesome. I could listen to that, oh my God. I could listen to that story over any of his stories over and over and over again. He was the voice of the university of Florida for a while on the PA. And I went to the game where he was PA. He was a PA, and I saw him in the hall. He's like, "Hey, Jeff, how are you?" The Mighty Gators are about to take the stage. <laughs> Good old Jack, and a golfing fool when and, he wasn't flying. Yeah, and you would get an f bomb out of nowhere. Like there would be no warning it was coming. So you know, I was on the golf course today, and I was playing, and it was a great time, great morning, good weather. And I and they just shouted, man, shouted. yeah. And I'll tell you. And I freaking suck, you know? And you're like, whoa. <laughs> Jesus, man. Dude. We still don't know about Daryl Jackson. You guys have inquired throughout the day, obviously, as the news got out about Tez Walker. Eligible to play, ready to go. Transfer from Kent State is uh, going to get an opportunity to play. And I'm happy for that kid, by the way. P. Simpson knows of the show. Sorry. I just had The to- radio show? He's got it. He's got the title right there. What's the name of it? High Flying with Jack uh, O'Brien. Of course it is. You sure you didn't make that up? No, Sunday morning show. That's it. That's it. Oh, my God. Welcome to High Flying with Jack O'Brien. Hey, everybody. I knew the name of it. Let's so when talk I said, about flying with Jack O'Brien. He's not lying. Good God. That is too funny, P. Simpson. Just the name alone is the best. Oh, that won't work, Susan. How about high-flying with Jack O'Brien? <laughs> I, I I like it. I hope we have an O'Brien here at some point on the football team. Because then we could just do O'Brien jokes the whole time. <laughs> and this is laughing with Jack. Jack was the best. Oh, no, we loved him. I wish he could have stuck there around. There are other general managers that we're not laughing with. Live Spectator, uh, you mentioned that Russ Francis played with the Patriots first. Yeah, and they, and listen, also, uh, my man, TPE, I think you're right. Russ Francis playing today would be something. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Russ Francis was a phenomenal player. Uh, it's actually interesting to go back and look at that era of tight ends. There were uh, a bevy of really good tight ends from that era that I feel like more than most positions could translate to today. You're still talking about 250, 260-pound guys that could really run, that would block, that were huge. Like Mark Bavaro could play today. 
Do you remember Mark Bavaro at all? Uh, he was always on television mm. in his post-playing career. So sure, I remember him. But certainly not releasing out into a hitch. Mm. Uh, he was the kind of tight end that ran over people in a way that left you embarrassed for them. You would shudder. Bavaro was made of steel. Guys would just fly off of him. He, he once trucked Ronnie Lott in a Monday night football game, and you didn't truck Ronnie Lott, and Ronnie Lott looked like a small child. It's like when Greg Jones ran over Sean Taylor, which I could watch on a loop. Mm. Because people didn't do that to Sean And that Taylor. was straight up. That yep. wasn't you caught him in a weird place. Like, for example. Straight up trucked his ass. You saw that Shipley got Renardo Green. Oh, he did get Renardo. But Renardo pitched him, but Renardo came right back. Renardo did, but Renardo was also arriving from elsewhere. He was not ready to square up and go full steam for full steam. So while he got caught, that wasn't exactly a Sean Taylor, Greg Jones, here we go, best man wins in the collision. Later on, Renardo did get him behind the line of scrimmage with a nasty. Oh, nasty. It, yeah. Oh, and he was proud. It wasn't much later on. I think it was the no. next play, two it, plays later, something like that. It was, was yeah, early next quarter, early fourth quarter. Yeah. By the way, if you want to go through this, I just pulled it up because I was curious. Now, we all remember, and for you older gentlemen out there listening to this show, come on and have some fun with me. Let's go for this ride. The, the 1980, 81, 82. So this is an era Tom is not familiar with whatsoever. Far away, look in his eye, play the bit. It's all there. But look at these tight ends around the league that would play and play well to now, to, to this day. Jimmy Giles, okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sure, phenomenal. Uh, Kellen Winslow, who is an ass, an all-time ass, one of the worst people to ever walk to earth. Not surprising that his son turned out to be a criminal and also an ass. Um, but if we're just talking about ability, Kellen Winslow had massive game. You know, I had to introduce Kellen Winslow when he came here for the quarterback club, one of the worst human beings I've ever spoken to. Then for about an hour, he was FAMU's athletic director, and they quickly ran him out of there, too. He's a piece of garbage. TallahasseeQBClub.com. Russ Francis, aforementioned, when he was with the Patriots in 1980, and he went on to be great with the 49ers. You can go on. Dave Casper was a stud. Um, you've heard these names. I know you. Dave Casper. Well, Ozzie Newsom. Ozzie Newsom with the Cleveland Browns was an absolute superstar. There, You could go on and on and on the amount of really talented guys throughout the 80s that um, – Todd Christensen, who had the Jerry Curl and for years did uh, color commentating in the NFL, was awesome for the Raiders uh, in the 80s, was a phenomenal player. Then somehow lost his damn mind. People from the 80s lost their mind. I don't know. CTE. CTE. <laughs> Nobody knew why back in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Cocaine, had... CTE. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think you nailed the combo right there. That's right. Zeke Moat was a stud with the Giants. You don't remember? You don't know what you know about Zeke Moat. He was Nothing. a stud. I think that's a great name, though. It's an all-time great Zeke name. Zeke Moat. Like if there was a 2025 tight end that Florida State was on, you want to sign Moat, him? Yeah. I would go to thebattlesend.com right now and drop bags. You should anyhow. Spagnola, who's now oh yeah coach. That's right. He was yeah. a stud tight end back in the day. Was he really? Yeah, he was. Oh. Ozzie Newsom was still kicking ass by the time we get to the mid <laughs> of the late eighties. That's two Ozzie Newsoms. Mark uh, Mark Bavaro, who was by about 86, 87, Mark Bavaro was the best tight end in football. He had uh, passed uh, Kellen Winslow, who was on the downside of his career. And then the great Clint Didier. Oh, what? Tom Lang, let me tell you about some Clint Didier. <laughs> no, this is a no, test. That's a real guy. Clint Didier was a stud. Washington Redskins. Clint Didier. He was a stud. He was on a Super Bowl team. You know, Clint Didier had a little oh, something to him. Joe Gibbs. Keith Jackson out of the University of Oklahoma. Keith Jackson. Oklahoma University, yeah. 
Keith Jackson, not not Woe Nelly, Keith Jackson. Yeah. yeah, but Keith Jackson, he was a stud. How about that, Keith Jackson? Was he a tight end back in? No, I don't think that. <laughs> no, I don't think he was. Touchdown, Alabama! No, he was. Uh, no, he was not. There he is. Good old 141 catches for Clint Didier. It's a distinguished career. No, oh, if you go that season, that, go look at that season I referenced Clint Didier from. He was a stud. Clint was, that was the 86, 80, 86, 87 season. Clint was good. There was some tight ends that get drafted. They had the, you know, the way they used tight ends back then, very different, Tom. You gotta understand. I'm trying to think of the first tight end that I can remember in, in the NFL. It bothers me that you don't remember Mark Bavaro or no. Kellen Winslow or. Hmm. No, I, I don't. Was there somebody in the 90s, like the early 90s, that was a stud at that position? Yeah. I'm having a hard time. Uh, The early 90s? Yeah. Let's go to break. Oh, we don't have the show's almost oh, over. Uh, I mean, but Daryl Johnson was a fullback, so he didn't count, right? Moose, um, Moose wasn't a tight end. Jay Novacek. Do you remember Jay Novacek in the 90s for the Cowboys? Yeah. Yeah. You re- he was on the Super Bowl winning yeah. teams in the early 90s. Jay Novacek was a superstar. Um, do you remember? Well, Tony Gonzalez was like, you know, the, the entirety, the late nineties, early two thousands. Algie Crumpler's a good one. That's a good one. That's, that's later nineties though. That's not early nineties. Uh, nineties. You know, by the way, Shannon Sharp was originally a tight end. Or is a tight end. Yeah, yeah Shannon no, Sharp. That, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the Shannon answer. Sharp's the answer. Shannon Sharp. Ben Coates. You remember Ben Coates? Oh, Ben Coates. Ben Coates. There you go. Get oh, your little Ben Coates man. in here. Yeah. I just thought about Ben. Ben Coates was a stud. By the way, all of those years we're naming, where I went back to the 80s all the way to right now, I, Keith Jackson was still playing I, in the league. I think Mercedes Lewis was playing in the 90s. He's still going. Bavaro was also still playing in the 90s. Ben Coach, Shannon Sharp, Brent Boy. Jones, Keith Jackson, Johnny Mitchell, Eric Green. Algie Crumpler. You remember Eric Green? Not really. Algie Crumpler, though, is a great one. Algie Crumpler. Mark Chimura? Remember Mark what happened Chimura. to him? You remember what happened to him? Something bad. The White House. Remember the whole thing? He no. thought he was up and he wasn't going to go to the White House because he took offense to uh, Bill Clinton and then he was found uh, with his babysitter who was underage in his underwear in a hot tub. Oh, my. Yeah, great guy. He's a regular Ken Hippocrite star. Hypocrite like most of them. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> How did we go down this? What? You forgot about no, old yeah, yeah. Like guy, Names I'm thinking of are Dave Moore and Todd Yoder. Remember Todd Yoder? Now, there you may have gotten me. I don't really remember much He was about a buccaneer old, for a minute. I don't yeah. remember Todd Yoder. Uh, do we have any time for these probables? There aren't any. No games today? No, they're all sweeps. The best of threes were all two-game sweeps. Well, that is tragic. We don't get a single game on the docket. We'll have to no. do it tomorrow on well, a libations Friday. We can say that the tight end position in the 80s... Uh, Took up our... <laughs> was No, it was, a, it was a, a house of power mills of men, you know? No, I forgot too to... Too much of a stretch. Yeah. Um, by the way, 137 Zaxby's oh, to choose from. There we go. Go get you some Zach. Just like there are 137 great tight ends between 1980 and 83 who would play right now. And one of them was Troy Drayton. Uh, Troy Drayton. You remember Troy Drayton? You're I, thinking about that's it. That's a great name. Troy I'm, that's Drayton. That's a quarterback's name. Troy Drayton? What about Ricky Dudley? Remember Ricky Dudley? Ricky Dudley oh, was awesome. Ricky Dudley, I got you. John Gruden loved him some Ricky Dudley. There you go. I loved Ricky Dudley. Frank Wycheck? Well, yeah. 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 See, we forget about that. Uh, good job, Power Mill. Sorry we didn't get probables today. We'll get you tomorrow. Well, that's baseball's fault, you know? How about somebody Sweet. forces a game three? Losers. Yeah, that's a little annoying. Hmm. Ricky Dudley. Ricky Dudley. He was a badass.
Was David Boston a receiver or a tight end? He was a receiver, but he looked he like was a tight a large end. Receiver. Wesley Walls. Oh. Carolina Panthers. It's a stud. I yep. hated that guy because I hate yep. Carolina. Good work out of you. Good job, Director Matthew. Be well, everybody. Peace.